This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Well, as you know, death always leads. That is not meant in a cynical or disrespectful way. It's an observation of fact known to you, to me, to all of us. Death always leads. What it is, is your hint. What is about to be said is said with affection, respect, nostalgia. Only a few people in this audience will know. But there will be people in this audience that know. And I'll bet in no other audience. While Patty adores a minuet, the Ballet Russe, and Crepe Suzette, our Patty loves to rock and roll. A hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet. Because they're cousins. Identical cousins. And you'll find. They look alike. They sound alike. At times they even act alike. You could lose your mind. When cousins are two of a kind. End quote. Rest in peace. Whom? Excelsior. Welcome back, my broadcast family, my dear partners, my friends. I'm Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. You are the best and brightest audience in radio. And a lot of us know up and know down. We're not an old audience. We're not a baby audience. We're a very, very smart audience. And being very smart means you know up and you know down. Not in terms of qualitative knowledge, but in terms of historical, and even pop historical references. My children know references to the Beatles, even a fairly, not only archaic, but uh, 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 insignificant pop media history sort of stuff. What I'm doing is stalling for time as I hit the refresh button on Twitter. I'm Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. We have an epitaph to record. I just offered my bit. 1-888-900-3393. And via Twitter, at J-A-Y underscore S-E-V-E-R-I-N. All right. Uh, And believe me, this is probably my system. But I don't yet have a correct answer via Twitter. So I'll drop another hint. Again, this is meant only with respect. What I just recited from memory a moment ago 
was the partial lyric to the theme song of a popular weekly sitcom, situation comedy, which played in, I'm going to guess, the late 60s. I vaguely, vaguely remember it, though my eidetic imagery enables me to remember obscure uh, things that I've heard or seen once, uh, especially if it's oral, if it's a piece of music or uh, something I've uh, something I've seen, but but not unlike photographic memory. Otherwise, otherwise I'd be a judge, um, and a good one, by the way. Okay, Diane H tells me. Cousins are two of a kind, but it doesn't uh, answer the question. And Diane, maybe you know, but this is not adequate to answer the question. The lyric I recited is the lyric of the theme song of a weekly situation comedy, very popular in, again, I'm going to guess because I was was a, a, a kid, but I'm going to guess the late 60s. And how and why I remember it, I really don't know, but that's what that's what <clears throat> it is. And I do it. The recitation is out of honor uh, and respect and and affection for a cultural figure. And I know that someone from this audience is is going to know it. All right, I know I hit you out of nowhere with it. And we have more important news, so I'll do it again. And I'll lay off it until, for one reason or another, meaning uh, you get it. Then we'll come back to it. I have to substitute a name here because I don't recall the other name. This was a situation comedy about two cousins who were identical. But they had different names. I don't remember both names. One was Patty. I'm going to use it twice. Your second hint is that Patty was a very good name to choose. While Patty adores... A minuet, the ballet russe, and crepe Suzette. Our Patty loves to rock and roll. A hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet. Still they're cousins. Identical cousins, and you'll find. Uh, They speak alike. They look alike. At times they even act alike. You could lose your mind when cousins are two of a kind. That's the lyric for the weekly show. Uh, Let me take another quick look here. (laughs) Bill Beck has it. So does Diane. Diane was first because Diane was a little abstruse, but uh, she did have it. I just didn't get it. Um, Okay. That song is in my head. All right. Who's got it already? Who's got it already are Diane was first, and I'm going to go up the list because now I know there'll be many others. But here are the top five or six, uh, it probably in reverse order, uh, time order. Melinda, Patty Duke. Melinda, that song is now in my head. Catherine, rest in peace, Patty Duke. Rocky, Patty Duke. Mimi. Patty Duke, Diane, I mentioned Patty Duke, Bill Beck, 
Patty's only seen the sights a girls can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a wild duet. Still their cousins. Uh, Patty Duke, who received her first Oscar, I believe her only Oscar, but who received an Oscar for her incredible portrayal, which I'm happy to have seen as an adult, so I could begin maybe a little bit to appreciate it. Her portrayal of Helen Keller, Patty Duke, who was 69 and who starred in many movies and television specials and all of that. Patty Duke, who was one of the, who was both of the two cousins from the Patty Duke show, as I knew you and you alone would know. I, I, you stump me every time by not being stumped. What an obscure reference, and you got it, and I hope we all mean it alike as a sweet epitaph who would, who, would not, who would not be cheered by knowing they were remembered. Maybe, like many artists, she wishes she you know, were remembered for something else, right? But she is remembered, maybe not by everybody, and time sort of guarantees that she'll not be remembered by everybody, right? <clears throat> but the best and brightest, all of whom, as far as I know or can see, are way too young to have actually ever seen this show or know who Patty Duke is. Patty Duke, no one didn't like Patty Duke. Patty Duke died today at the age of 69. And may she rest in peace and our all that we can convey in a simple ceremony such as we have to offer here, convey to her family and uh, and her loved ones that we remember. We we remember. We'll always we'll always remember her because we remember her now. And after all, who would not be charmed by being remembered? The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company. And it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. 
on the Blaze Radio Network. I love you guys. You know everything. And I know because, well, you know why and how. I know you know everything. Okay, for for those of us who believe that I've given uh, an adequate tribute by leading the show during a tumultuous, uh, the most tumultuous time in our political and cultural history in the last 150 years by opening the show with my obituary listing for Patty Duke, uh, we have relief. Politics. This is from the Cheer Up Department of the Blaze Radio Network. I address it to myself at one 3393 I had this headline first, as you know. I just fouled up by not following up on the sub-headline for a couple of weeks. So in order to tidy up my own uh, mess, are you ready? Here we go. Anybody, anybody who has been anxious and concerned, as I have, about being placed in what they may regard as the unsavory position of having to vote for Donald Trump because their intelligence and loyalty demands of them, their bumper sticker, like mine, demands of us that we vote for the party nominee most likely to prevent, again, the available other candidate, most likely. That doesn't mean likely. It just means least, least likely, okay? So anybody made uncomfortable by the notion of voting for Donald Trump because they know they cannot vote for Hillary and they must vote for the party nominee in order to fulfill their bumper sticker, which is no Hillary. I've got some good news. You and I are going to be spared that opportunity, which I think we've known now for, since the day we announced Project 1236 here, which is now more than a month ago. We knew, didn't we, if there was going to be a brokered convention, that every day the degree of likelihood that someone we would want from this audience, and certainly those of us who wanted, who want Ted Cruz, and I certainly count myself in that group and have for a much longer time than he's been a candidate. For those of us who have been anxious about this, I have relief. We're going to be spared the tortuous circumstance of having to cast a vote for Donald Trump. Uh, For most of us, we will have the opportunity of choice. And after all, isn't that what we want? We're going to have the choice of voting for someone that we don't like, and for whom we would otherwise never vote, or just not voting. 
or voting for the enemy. Good choices, huh? But that show business, again. That is to say, according to a <clears throat> most prominent national report, the lawyers and officials of the Republican National Committee have formally begun the research, the inquiry, and the organization of the Republican National Convention in accordance with a convention that will that plans to deny its nomination to anyone arriving at the convention without having already won it. I'm I'm sorry. I again, we endeavor not to be abstruse here. Let me say it again, and I don't need to see it. Say it slowly. You already know it. It's confusing me. I'm worried about confusing me. So let me just say this again. The official officials of the uh, uh, RNC have formally begun the research, the inquiry, the legal groundwork, everything they need to do to prepare for doing this and then dealing with its consequences. This being denying the nomination to anyone who arrives in Cleveland without it. If you don't arrive in Cleveland with 1237, we used to think back in the old days, you know, like last Friday afternoon, we used to think that if you arrived in Cleveland with 1236, that you would get there and fight like heck and you would win the extra you know, delegate and you'd get over the top and it would be everything that these uh, rhino bastards have been preening about, saying, oh, no, it's a good thing. It's an open convention. It's democracy in action. It's a good thing. And now, and now it would appear that Guru Jay's most prescient views into our future and our most horrible nightmares have some uh, support of being likely to come true. And that is the Republicans are organizing for and around a convention that will say to Trump and Cruz and maybe others, but Trump and Cruz, because let's not kid ourselves, that's what it's always been all about. This has all been designed to say to Trump and Cruz, Okay, you didn't make it. So come here and compete, wink, wink, because we're going to do our best to make it impossible for you to win a single delegate. We're going to tell any delegate thinking of voting for you that they'll not only cease to be a delegate, they will cease to exist in their communities. We will sue them. We will ruin them. We will have no idea the hardball politics Right, but you probably do that. They're prepared and, and willing to play, but see, they don't want to stop even at that. They're not going to say, "Okay, do you do your worst? Here you are. You got twelve thirty-five. You need two more delegates. Good luck. Try to get two more against the entire organization of us." No, no. As we reported here first, what they really have in mind is more of a lock than that.
What they're trying to do is pass a rule that says if you don't come to the convention with 1237, you're out. You are DQ'd, disqualified. You are no longer allowed to compete. If you arrive without 1237, you are not recognized as a candidate and given the chance to get 1237. And someone important has confirmed this. It's next. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. And you are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin, our number one, triple eight, nine hundred, three, three, nine, three. And I've never seen, but that's okay, neither have any of us seen. I've never even imagined. I mean, having made my life, my career in the business of politics and media and all that. I've never even imagined this. And I submit to you that the mistake that the Republicans are making, and I'm going to mention an old friend, and every time I do, I get people angry at me, and I understand why, and it's okay. I'm not going to dodge it. I I would never deny the name of a friend, even in order to save myself flack. Abby Hoffman was a very good friend of mine. And Abby... uh, wrote in one of his books early on that a really good pool hustler only wins by one ball. That's how you prove to yourself and to anyone sharp enough to be watching. That's how you prove that you're a great pool player. If you're playing for money, you win by one ball, maybe two. You don't, you know, keep running the rack and humiliating the guy because you're running off your pigeon. You're ruining your stooge. You know, there are a number of reasons why you don't do it. And it leads to blood and blood's expensive. The Republicans right now, the way they're going about telling Obama he can't have his court pick. Now, obviously, no no patriotic American wants Obama to have his Supreme Court pick. But there are so many ways to deny Obama that pick. And still still spit in his eye and deny him the pick without blood, without going out in public and saying, you know what, I'm not even going to let the guy, if the guy comes by with his hat in his hand and brings me Danish and coffee and asks to meet with me or just stand in the hallway outside of my Senate office, just stand there and maybe hope that I'll come by and shake his hand. No, I'll use the other door. I'm not going to acknowledge his existence. See, you don't need to do that because it's overkill. It's blood, and blood is expensive. That's what's happening now at this convention. Prince, Reince Priebus, Linda Graham, John McCain, et al. See, they're not content to say to you, if you're for Trump, To you, if you're for Cruz, 
or if you happen to be for anybody they haven't yet chosen, they're not content to just make your choice impossible. See, they could do that, and they could do it and look like they're your buddy. They could put their arm around you and say, gee, I'm sorry about this. This sucks. You know, and it's really too bad. He was a good man. You know, he deserved better than this. And then they close the door and say to each other, what suckers? We killed that bastard off. See, they could do that, but they don't. They rub your face in it. Denying people who are for Trump, Trump, denying people who are for Cruz, Cruz, and the, the honest sensation that you had an opportunity to fulfill the democratic process. You see, a lot of us can get over losing, but a lot of us can never, ever, nor should we ever, ever get over having it stolen from us and having our faces rubbed in it. You can, they can, go win what they want. They can choreograph, manipulate, steal the nomination. That's what they're doing. They're subverting, they're perverting the democratic process. The Republican Party is perverting. They are perverts. They are perverting the democratic process, forcing us to say about them what we have learned from bitter experience, we can honestly say about Democrats. But now they force us to turn our hearts and backs on our own party. They force us to have our faces rubbed in bitter defeat, not because our guy didn't get the votes, whoever he or she may be, but because they're going to fix it. And they're going to tell you in advance why they're going to fix it. They're going to fix it because they hate you. The Republican committee hates conservatives. All these years, they have lied. They have lied to themselves, to God, to you, to their families, to your family. They have lied and perverted the process all their lives, pretending to be for the Constitution Swearing to God to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And all this time, they didn't mean that at all. They were never for that. And now, it's not enough that they're going to do this, and they're going to pervert the nomination process. See, that's not enough for them. They have to do it and rub your face in dog poo. they, They must humiliate you plus get their perverse way. And my friends, you know, I know we are called on to forgive and forget. And circumstances like this underscore for me how imperfect a Christian I am, truly. Because I don't know about forgiving but I could tell you I will never forget. And I don't expect anyone, and, and, and 
irrespective of whom your candidate may be. I'm not talking about a particular candidate. I've made clear for years that I'm for Ted Cruz. It doesn't matter whomever I'm for. I'm not for a man or a woman. I'm for the Constitution of the United States. And I expect a political party, most especially the one I choose, and give to it my sacred franchise, my vote. I expect from them decency. I expect from, yes, I know it's politics. You don't have to tell me, Jay, it's a dirty business. I know. I'm covered in pig swine. I spent my life in it. Did I mention in the sixth grade? Well, I'll mention it another time. I'm covered in the filth. I've been trying to make up for it. I know all about the dirt. But we have always together at least been able to rise above the most common and detestable, the lowest forms of swinish politics and at least kept open the promise for men and women of goodwill that they would have an honest shot of voting for the candidate they preferred and know that they would have an honest shot at prevailing. And if they lost, at least they could say, you know what? I I was for this guy. I did my best. My guy lost. I I I was for the guy that other people simply weren't for in adequate numbers. I I, I backed not a loser, but I didn't back the winner. Uh, that's politics. That's show business. I can get over that. I have gotten over that. I'm capable of getting over that. So are you. But I really wonder. How many times these swine bastards expect us to get over the fact that they are not merely perverting and stealing from us our sacred process, but they are rubbing our faces in feces, in political feces, and making sure the camera is on us so that everyone, including Democrats including the people we have been not hating, not hating. I don't hate the Democrats. I oppose them. They are my adversaries, but they're Americans. Right now, I have a lot more in common with Democrats in the United States Congress than I have with the Republican leadership, because so far as I know, at least some of the Democrat members of the United States Congress believe in the democratic process, unlike the leadership of the Republican Party. And now they are rubbing our faces in this and saying, we don't care who you were for. You're going to be disappointed. We're going to tell you in advance that your guy has no chance. We're going to make sure you have no chance. We're going to steal it from you. And we're going to rub your face in it in front of your adversaries and in front of the world. And we're going to expect you to take it. And tomorrow you're going to get a fundraising email from us. We're going to rub your face in this, in the theft 
of democracy from you, and then tomorrow we're going to laugh at you privately, then laugh at you publicly, then send you a fundraising appeal. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I hope we're sounding okay to you, uh, B, because we're sounding a little shaky to me in terms of the connection. Hope you guys are hearing it okay. We are the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 So essentially, we, we have a choice. And the swine who run the Republican Party are so sure of themselves that they're openly organizing for a convention that is not going to be open or contested or even brokered. It's going to be completely Mussolini'd. It's going to be totally fascist. It's going to be closed, manipulated, choreographed, controlled from A to Z. And I know many of you have sent me very thoughtful tweets saying, well, wait a second. All right, if they're going to keep out Trump and Cruz then how can they include, they can't include the other people they might want to choose. My dear friends, you you listen to the show, right? They will rewrite the rules any way they want. And if they do it slop, sloppily and stupidly, which they probably are guaranteed, ipso facto, to do, so what? Where 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 are we going to go to court? This is not none of this is run by a statute. Federal election law does not appertain to any of this. This is a I've I've begged you, I'm begging you now reconsider, think of this as what it is. It's a private tennis club. They can do anything they want. And if someone walks by and says, uh, son, go, go put a shirt with a collar on. You're in the restaurant area right now. Well, uh, uh, I don't have to do that. There's no rule about that. And the older gentleman says, oh, well, there will be in about an hour. And what's your name again? Because if I ever have to address you again, you and your family will be blackballed from this club forever. And he'll do it. He will do it. They will do it. They are, we could flash back to a year ago, to a broadcast here on our show, they would rather that Hillary win than anybody other than their choice win. The Republican national establishmentarians would much rather Hillary Clinton be president of the United States than any Republican they don't choose. And they would much rather have Bernie Sanders or Karl Marx or Harpo Marx 
or Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton or Chelsea Clinton or Governor Clinton or George Clinton, the king of Funkadelic. They they would prefer any of those people as president of the United States over Trump or Cruz or anyone they don't pick. And so they're going to spare you the agony of having to vote for Donald Trump if you don't like Donald Trump. I don't, but I won't. I'll be spared the agony. They're doing me the favor. See, I won't have to vote for him now. And for those of you who are not for Ted Cruz, I hope to persuade you otherwise. Uh, to what exact purpose? I'll have to cheer myself up and think about it some more, other than the fact that he's a, a superior candidate, be a great president of the United States. But uh, you know, you won't be forced to have to vote for him because they're going to go in, they're going to create a convention in which I predict, well, when we come back, and we're at the top of an hour break now, so it's going to take a few minutes, Scott Walker, Governor Walker of Wisconsin, today endorsed Ted Cruz. Wow, where have you been, Governor? Why did you endorse today? Because wait till you hear what else Scott Walker said. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. A Ryan Kasich ticket. Don't ask what the rules of the convention are because they will be rewritten to accommodate the outcome that the choreographer wants. And that won't be called Son of Mailman. That will be called Son of Beach. Very tough. Welcome back, best and brightest. We are the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin. Our number, 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. To look on the bright side is to say that your friends at the Republican National Committee are working overtime to spare you the indelicate, the uncomfortable position of having to cast a vote for someone that you don't really like. And so they're going to take off the board Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and anybody else they don't like. And they're going to install new rules that make possible, nay, that lubricate and guarantee the ascension and nomination of the people they have picked. This is what's happening now. This appears, appears to be what's going to happen. According to a most national, I'm sorry, most prominent national report today, the lawyers and other officials of the RNC have formally undergone, begun the 
uh, formal inquiry, legal, organizational, etc., to figure out how they deny, how they write the rules to deny not only the nomination, but how they deny even the ability to compete to Trump and Cruz. And I always say this out of respect because Trump is running first. But when you hear me say Trump and Cruz, know that what I'm really saying in the bubble over my head is Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Because even though Donald Trump is leading at the moment, it's not Donald Trump they're trying to stop. I I know, and I say to you that I, I, with everything I am and everything I know, I say to you, I mean, again, I can't know this. But how much do I believe it? On the heads of my family, I say to you, I believe with all of my soul, all of my heart, all of my instincts, experience, what I know is they don't want Ted Cruz because he is the one who will reorganize everything. Everything we believe is wrong with government Fundamentally, not everything. I'm not saying Ted Cruz is perfect, but I'm saying fundamentally, the things we belo- we believe are wrong and need changing, the waste, the fraud, the abuse, the cronyism, the the all all of it, the high taxes, the 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 people who are actually fixing this election are fixing it so that they maintain their own expense accounts. All of those people, Donald Trump may or may not fix any of that. Nobody knows. Believe me, you don't know because I don't know. And I don't know because he doesn't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what Donald Trump is going to do. Maybe we luck out. But I don't think we we will ever have to worry about it because the... Uh, swine at the RNC are not going to take that chance, are they? And so you won't get to take that chance, and neither will I. But the real person they've always been after is Ted Cruz, because they know what they're getting with Ted Cruz. What they're getting with Ted Cruz is a hangman. Think of the old movies, you know, when the hangman shows up, that's when the party begins, right? Well, That's what they're getting in Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz shows up and says, I represent the best and brightest, and I'm here to change things. How's this trap door working? How's that going there? That's what they can't live with. Today, Governor Scott Walker, who many, including myself, had up near the top of their lists six months ago to be president of the United States. Scott Walker, governor of Wisconsin. I admired him greatly at the time. I have not kept up with him. I don't know how and whether he may have changed in six months. Do you? one 888 one Does Scott Walker's words still mean as much to you, uh, if indeed it did six months ago? Does it still mean that? Has it changed for good or for ill in the last six months? Is Scott Walker still a young, bold, brash, brilliant conservative willing to fight 
and win for the causes that so many of us share in our hearts and souls? Is he still that Scott Walker? I have no reason to believe he's not. Except as of today, I have for the first time some clouds that are passing over Governor Walker. Some clouds. And the cloud is this. Scott Walker today endorsed Ted Cruz. But I don't... Please tell me if I'm wrong here. And Britt, anyone in the studio, does anyone know offhand? I've been monitoring media since 3 o'clock this morning. Did, did, Did Scott Walker actually show up in a public venue somewhere in front of cameras and embrace Ted Cruz and endorse him? Or was the only endorsement by Scott Walker of Ted Cruz a local radio station during which interview Scott Walker said, yeah, I mean, I'm for, uh, I'm for Ted. I think he's a, I believe he's a conservative and I believe he is the most formidable competition for the front runner, Donald Trump. And then he moved on. Did, did, did Scott Walker actually place his arms about, uh, Ted Cruz, did he embrace him? Brittany, you're telling me no. It was on the radio. So nobody, as far as we're concerned from our end, we don't know that he did anything other than mention it in a scratchy AM radio interview, sort of indirectly. So there is no film. Do you, I don't need to explain this to you. You get this. So when I said a cloud has passed over the face of Scott Walker for the first time in my mind, if Scott Walker is willing to endorse Ted Cruz or anyone else, why did he not show up and put his arms around Ted Cruz literally as well as figuratively and say, and hold his hand aloft with his own and say, this is my man. This is the man who believes what we believe. This ought be the next president of the United States. I will work hard to make sure, along with you, that this is the next president of the United States. So far as I know, and we know here at the Blaze Radio Network, those words were never uttered. And they weren't, no words were uttered in person. No embrace, no hand held aloft. In other words, Scott Walker kept his distance and was playing for a headline. And the headline was, Scott Walker's not dead. Scott Walker endorsed somebody. Because right now, the question, why did Scott Walker endorse Ted Cruz? And there's a little more of an answer than this one. But the basic answer is, why did Walker endorse Cruz? Simple. For Walker. This is Jay Severin. Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network.
So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make a statement, and that statement will either repeat something very disturbing that you already know, or it will convey to you something very disturbing that you are about to learn. And it's, if you don't know it, it's going to make you sick. Scott Walker endorsed Ted Cruz today, but he didn't do it in person. And moments after he offered his tepid, what I regard as his tepid endorsement, he said, yeah, though, I don't believe, I want to predict, said Scott Walker. Scott Walker, just out of his mouth, after his weak, like broth endorsement, of Ted Cruz, he said, yeah, but you know, uh, at the convention, I don't believe anybody who is now running is going to be nominated. What? What? So what are you doing here again? Hey, Scott, what, what, what are you doing here again? Thanks for coming by. It must have sounded something like this. Oh, I am in a new voice uh, to prove. But uh, in I just want to make clear, he's not going to win the nomination. Neither is anybody who is now running. Was all of that clear? Did all of that come out clearly? I have to go now. Thanks very much. I'll see you. I'll be campaigning for Ted. According to my schedule, I'm going to start next Wednesday, the day after the Wisconsin primary. So long. Walker actually, I mean, I always thought he had balls, but I didn't know until today the kind of testicular mass we're talking about here because He comes out and barely endorses Ted Cruz and then says more prominently, yeah, but you know, there, no, he's not going to win the nomination. No, no one, I don't believe any of the three, included Kasich, like Kasich's equal. He said, yeah, I don't believe any of the three now campaigning are going to win the nomination. Why are you here again? I invited you to come by. Why? Also, Ted Cruz has based his existence for many weeks on the notion that given a chance to fight Trump one-on-one, that he will inherit the anti-Trump vote, which is still the majority of the vote. You know, more people are casting votes for other people than they are voting for Donald Trump. It's a legitimate point. And Ted Cruz has been saying, give me a chance to fight him one-on-one to show everyone that I can beat him. I mean, and that's what could happen one week from today in Wisconsin. Of course, something else could happen, which, you know, Kasich stays in, and he will, and he'll muddy the waters. That's why he's there. Kasich is there as the used Trojan horse of the uh, swine at the RNC. He is there as the stalking 
horse, really the stalking pony of the Republican Party. And then today Walker shows up and says, yeah, I am but no one, no one who's now running is going to win the nomination. Gee, thanks. Would you come by again tomorrow? Or no, wait, tomorrow doesn't work for me. How about, what's today, Monday, Tuesday? How about 10 years from tomorrow? Why don't you show up again? All right, uh, before we jump to the phones, you know the Trump campaign manager uh, has been not arrested and kind of charged. He's been given an order to appear, which is a different whole deal. A lot of people are going to complain that he was given favorable treatment, and apparently he was, but I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, the uh, uh, Todd Lewinsky, or whatever his name is there, has been given order to appear in a Florida court on a single misdemeanor count of misdemeanor battery. Now, again, assault and battery. Almost everyone in America owns a TV, which means they're all lawyers, uh, including me. And so we think assault is striking someone. No. Assault is placing someone in fear of the reasonable expectation that their safety is being placed in jeopardy. It's the threat is the assault. The battery is the striking. And simple battery in the state of Florida is the unwanted touching, uh, especially in an invasive way. And I can only tell you, until now, had I been a jury member or a grand jury member, of course, this is a misdemeanor, so there'd be no grand jury. But if I had been judging in any capacity, based on what I have seen so far, I would have dismissed this. I would have regarded it as an outrage that they even talk about this based on what I've seen thus far. And this just goes as an object lesson to us all. And I mean me. I'm talking to me when I say this. You really do have to wait for the evidence because as it turns out, there there is a stop action film I believe controlled, you know, closed circuit TV, controlled, I believe, by the Florida State Police or the you know, state of Florida, whatever. And and when you look at this stop action film of what ha- of, of, of of that event, it's exactly as the young woman who is the complainant, it's exactly as she says it was. He did grab her and yank her backward with uh, sufficient force not to break her neck, uh, not to harm her, really. But that's not what the law calls for. And there are the photographs of her arm with the, with the hand marks, the finger marks on her arm. And when you see what I today saw for the first time, there is no question anymore in my mind that uh, the Trump's campaign manager did grab her and yank her backward. That is to say, forget my explanation. What I mean to say is, based on what I have now seen, if I were a juror or involved in the process, 
would I agree or disagree with the premise that Trump's campaign manager committed misdemeanor battery? And I would say, based on what I have now seen, there is, in my mind, no question that he committed misdemeanor battery. Now, again, at the end of the day, how does this affect the price of tea in China? Not much, but it's the perfect, that is to say, grossest, worst, imperfect Achilles heel for Donald Trump just because one of the big problems Donald Trump has is the way he polls with women. And this, of course, is being made into a, well, this is a culture of how he treats women, which permeates the Donald Trump work and political culture. So, in legal terms, strictly, it's not good. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners only here on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 Partners on the line. About to go to them. Two things just to percolate and to prompt your calls. I would love to take more. Calls, that is. And here's the first. The cruise sex scandal is apparently shorter than Donald Trump's, you know, fingers. Yeah, this is the uh, evidently the shortest sex scandal in political American political history. It lasted for two and a half minutes, which there's again something that Donald Trump I'm told has in common with. But anyway, getting beyond that, uh, if there are five concubines floating around, it was a big deal for about five minutes. And now that we've heard nothing, I have a feeling we would have heard something if there was something to hear. Uh, the other one is an end to the phones. Might Trump just quit? There's an article written, uh, well, I don't know when it was written. I think it was published today. I didn't see it. I heard about it. I have to find it. It's written by someone who apparently was never formally attached to the Trump campaign. But somehow, you know, was one of those people who hangers on or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It's not really important. What's important really is not the status of the person with the idea. It's the idea. And the idea was this. The thesis was this. Donald Trump never really wanted to run He did it as a marketing ploy. And this was meant to just make him a bigger deal, you know, to help him in his current negotiations. Maybe he had a couple of big deals going down, maybe another book, maybe another television show. Who knows? But this person insinuates that Trump never thought he would do this well, that he thought 
that he would do this role, that he would go into it and he would, you know, do okay, that he wouldn't humiliate himself. <laughs> uh, but, but and then he would, you know, that'd be it. And it would run its course and he would say, oh, I could have won, but I decided, you know, I love my business and family too much. It was taking too much time. Okay. I'm just, just submitting this for your consideration. Given who we're talking about here, is it possible that Donald Trump could just up and quit? That we could wake up tomorrow morning and that every media source in the world that you and I know of could be blaring across and from its front page, whatever that platform is, Donald Trump quits campaign? Is it possible that he looks around at the plane and his family and says, I could be in Iceland. I could, I could be, I could eat dinner in Reykjavik tonight and I wouldn't have to leave until I wanted to. It could be weeks, could be a year. I could be Howard Hughes only with as much money and I'm willing to go outside. Maybe there's a better life than this. I don't know. What I'm saying is Trump is a creature of impulse. Is he not? Is that fair? Is it fair to say he's a creature of impulse? And 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 if that's fair, and more importantly, if it's if it's at all accurate, is it possible that given whatever it is we know about Trump, and I'm not suggesting we know a lot, I'm saying what I'm saying. Given what we know, whatever that is, whatever that is, given what we know or think we know about Donald Trump, is it possible that he could just quit tonight and say, you know what, I really thought I'd be more into this. And the fact is, if I stay in, I'm going to deprive us of the best chance to beat Hillary Clinton. I'm going to withdraw. I know I could have won. Now, you know all the rhetoric that would go along with it, right? I would for sure have won. There's no question in my mind that I would have won. I would have been president. I would have been a great president. I would have been the greatest president in the history of presidents. I would have been even greater than the greatest. You know, okay? You know all the, all the rhetorical manure that would go along with it, right? But... He'd say, I want to do this because Ted Cruz ought to have his chance, our party ought to have its chance to run against Hillary Clinton. So, Ted, take it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Run against Hillary. Take the delegates. Take the support. Now, I don't know whether any of this would work, by the way. Entirely different question. Legally, uh, delegate-wise, all these other things. But I don't know. Lisa from South Carolina, your gracious patience bespeaks, I am sure, very accurate things about you. Welcome. Hey, Jay. It's great to talk to you, and you are the best and the brightest. Thank you for sharing so much of uh, the inside with us. Um, Lisa, it's all I've got to do, believe me. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the job. Well, uh, number one, uh, it would be nice if Trump would get out. That would be great. I didn't think he really wanted to be president anyway. But 
The the real reason I called is because I feel like that so many people have so much invested in this um, election, and I'm and I'm talking about even money. People have invested their money that have never invested in a campaign before, sure. and so you know that for them to take that away just makes no sense to the American people. I agree, and I think it's among the other imponderables of this race. And, Lisa, I don't suggest, by the way, for a moment that anyone ought to take seriously, you know, that Trump is going to quit. I just thought I'd throw no, it in I there. Know, because, I know. I know. I really you know, I was kidding about that as well. Because I, mean, I You know, I have asked that question. Did he really, really want to run or, and win? But, yeah, that, well, that's the thing. I, I, got that I think he you. loves running. I think it's the opposite yes. than it is for normal human beings. I think he loves the stuff about this that normal humans hate, Lisa. I think he loves I running. I think I the agree. part that other people would love that he would hate is having to be in the Oval Office at, at five o'clock in the morning every morning, uh, you know, and and do and do that, and be always be somewhere scheduled by somebody else, and have to do that for at least four years. I think that's yeah, the part he hates. I can't imagine him him wanting to do that, but you know I don't know him, so right. No, uh, nor, nor I. He's having fun for sure. We're not, but he is. <laughs> well, so. I don't know. I'm I'm having fun, although well, it's yeah, I'm, I'm something like fun dentistry. It's ne- it's necessary, but it 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 does hurt. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, that that was really all. You know, I just I, I realized that. You know that that there, there's more to it than just investing our time and our energy. Uh, people have invested their money. They haven't, you know. Oh, I, there's so much to this. If they take it away from us, and and I I get what you say about the club and about that they have every right to do that. I I did not know that, of course, until I listened to you. But generally speaking, you couldn't have been that surprised, Lisa. You know, I mean, it makes perfect sense that it's a private entity. And as conservatives, sure. we want it to be thus. We don't, you know, we and don't I want. And I thought I was a part of the club because, you know, they send me all this this donation information all the right. time. So, I, you know, right. I thought I'm part of the club. <laughs> well, you are. I mean, you are. But there are levels of the club, just like, right. you know, at the golf club. There are levels yeah. of membership. And so someone's out there making a putt on 18 and someone gets raucous knocks over a cocktail and someone taking the putt stands back and 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 says to his caddy would you go correct that lout it, it on the terrace you, you know and remind them of the behavior of this club and the caddy looks back and says well do we want to rethink this because that's the uh son of the chairman of the rules committee yeah, you know, it's it's just life. It's, yeah. it's not always fair. I and I appreciate you you bringing that out. I I don't know that I would have ever known that had I not listened to you. Uh, uh, if you just so let your imagination run a little wild, you're busy. You're busy caring for your family and doing important things. I'm here to remind you of the trivia. This is this, yeah. this is this is my job, Lisa. Thank you so much. You're you're a dear thank for calling you. and for showing such patience. Gideon, also of the great, it's the Palmetto State, is it not? It is. Yeah. What's up, Gideon? Um, well, I've got a quick question. Um, if and when the Republican Golf Club um, takes the nomination away from Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. 
if the Republican Party will go the way of the Whig Party? I think not, and here's why. When it comes right down to it, many of us, including me, are guilty of the mistake of conflating the outrage that we feel with what the delegates are likely to actually do. And by that I mean, we say to ourselves, wow, if they passed a naked, open rule that is obviously intended to eliminate the two people who have actually run and been voted for and did all the things you're supposed to do and gave people the opportunity to vote for them or against them and they've debated and they've traveled the country and it's the, you know, the democratic process and all of this. And, and we, we who care and follow this stuff say, well, if they befoul that, surely the delegates will walk out in a single right. gesture of outrage. The delegates will, will stand up and walk out and end the convention and wreck the party. But, Gideon, if you're a delegate and if, like, maybe the most important thing, you're an empty nester, you're 62 years old, You've been chosen for the first time this year as a delegate to the National Convention. You've spent countless thousands of hours and dollars supporting your party and and, and making phone calls and doing all, you know, again, we have to remember, who are these delegates? What are they? What drives them? Are they really going to all of a sudden, like, walk up to their state chairman on the convention floor and whisper a really indelicate, imperative sentence in his ear, which begins with the word F, and then walk out? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's real human beings involved in this. Flesh and blood and community and commitment and all of this stuff that on the one hand, Gideon, could be argued, of course they'll walk out for all those reasons. But man, oh man, how easily could it be argued that real, live, flesh-and-blood folks will look at this and say, well, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I'm not prepared to be run out of my home party, and so I'm willing to do what my state chairman does until I find out what's going on, at which point it will be too late. Yeah. Gideon, I must go. Thank you. Back soon. You come back soon. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Note well, my friends, the very question of of this moment in time, of of the fate of the political parties, of the presidency, wasn't even a question six weeks ago until we raised it. 
you know, per the conventional wisdom, might there, could there possibly be a contested convention? Nah. Nah. Boy, the innocent good old days, huh? Now what was an offbeat question becomes, in the hands, in our hands, a virtual fact. And the question of the moment becomes how, how best to run a brokered convention and win one. You see, remember the good old days? No one's talking anymore. Do you you notice the sickening suddenness with which this occurred? In the space of about nine days, starting with us, and again, I'm not suggesting anyone took it from us. I'm only saying that no one anywhere had talked about it until one day we spent an hour or two of the show on Project 1236. And we explained to America, don't you get it? The Republican Party doesn't want a front runner, doesn't want someone to get 1237. They want a brokered convention where they can pick someone else other than someone the voters are picking. Who knows the rules of the convention? There are no rules. This is the beauty point for them. Everyone's missing it and will continue to miss it, including the big experts. You know who the next insiders will be? The only ones who have a hard knowledge of the rules change, how they change, when they change, who writes them, how you do that. And you know what? There won't be any experts to tell you that. I'm an expert. I'm going to have to become expert in this. I don't know. But even if I did know, the guys could change the rules 10 minutes after I said it. We are going to have a good time. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.